the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. Hour number two, Bruce Hooley Show. Glad to have you along. 94.5 in Dayton, 98.9 in Columbus. I'm also glad to report that 97-year-old Dick Van Dyke is okay. He was trending today on social media. And when someone 97 is trending on social media, uh, you fear for the worst. Uh, But Dick Van Dyke is fine. He crashed his car today, his Lexus, into a gate of a home in Malibu. Not his home. In Malibu, California, but it was raining in Southern California. And if you listen to Hugh Hewitt this morning, you heard Hugh talking about how hard it's raining in Southern California. Uh, And the car slid on a wet pavement and struck a gate. Uh, Mr. Van Dyke was not hospitalized. And he was uh, sent back home to his wife, who is about half his age, his former makeup artist. So Dick Van Dyke just fine at age 97. He was on The Masked Singer recently. I've never watched The Masked Singer, but I've seen video clips of that. And uh, I'm a big Dick Van Dyke fan. Um, Enormously, immensely talented uh, singer, dancer, actor, and uh, glad to know that he is okay. Uh, I'm not glad to know that there are other cities around the country that are just as dumb as Columbus, Ohio, when it comes to paying protesters for perceived injuries suffered in riots related to George Floyd's death. Philadelphia. The latest. Columbus, of course, paid like six million bucks to protesters from the George Floyd riots in June of 2020. Not a single police officer was found guilty of a single thing. Except Andrew Ginther was dumb enough to dig into the city coffers and pay six million dollars in damages. New York did the same thing recently. New York paid... Four to six million dollars to George Floyd protesters. Now, Philadelphia is going to pay nine and a quarter million dollars to 300 protesters who shut down an interstate highway by standing on the highway and protesting George Floyd's death. The police, of course, were accused of being mean and nasty and should not have deployed pepper spray and tear gas and all those things they use to disperse people off an interstate highway where you're supposed to have free access to drive your car without it being blocked by lunatics holding signs and screaming and yelling about something that happened over a thousand miles away that had nothing to do with them. And it sounds like Philadelphia has a mayor just as bad as ours. Philadelphia Mayor Jim Kenney said the pain and trauma caused by a legacy of systemic racism and police brutality against black and brown Philadelphians is immeasurable. Well, it must be somewhat measurable. Otherwise, you would have given them, you know, all the money they wanted. I'm sure the $9 million doesn't pacify them. They'll be back the next time they have some kind of a perceived grievance. 
The mayor said, we hope this settlement will provide some healing from the harm experienced by people in their neighborhoods in West Philadelphia and during the demonstration on I-676 in 2020. And you know what it will, you know what it will provide, Mayor? It will provide a lot of money to Antifa so that the next time there is some incident that they deem able to be capitalized on in the name of racial grievance, then the pallets of bricks will show up and the frozen water bottles will show up and all the money that you gave them will not do a single thing to pacify their perceived grievance over being an American citizen, but it will instead fund and fuel further riots in your already vastly diminished city. That is what it will accomplish. Now, those riots in Philadelphia, they were mostly peaceful. They also included nine fires set, which damaged businesses in the millions of dollars. Of course they did. The businesses downtown, did they get a settlement from the city of Columbus? Kicking in windows? and No, of course not. Of course not. Now, this is sad news out of Ohio Wesleyan University in Delaware. Uh, they had a student who went on vacation with his parents in Arkansas while Ohio Wesleyan was on spring break. He and his father went out on a lake. And his father is, uh, I don't know the band Lotus, but sounds like it's a successful band. He and his father went out on a lake in Arkansas kayaking on March the 16th. The mom and the sister went to a store. The dad and the son went out on the lake kayaking. A big storm blew in, and the two have not been found yet. They were pronounced uh, deceased yesterday. Ohio Wesleyan issuing a statement last night uh, expressing its grief over the loss of 20-year-old Charlie Morris. His father, Chuck, as I said, a percussionist for the band Lotus. They found the kayaks. They found uh, a jacket in the water. They have not found the men yet. That's very sad. Winds of 35 miles an hour on a lake. I've kayaked a few times. I would. I, I, I don't enjoy it. I have too. I, only the kayak that I use belongs to a friend, and it's extremely stable, and it's a sit-on-top. I do not like the small ones where mm-hmm. you down inside, climb down, down in the yeah, little those hole. those are dangerous. Yeah, yeah. I think they're dangerous. We don't know what uh, manner yeah. these gentlemen had, mm-hmm. but it was not sufficient to withstand that storm. Right. There is a storm brewing in Ohio over the uh, ongoing attempt to make it harder to amend the Ohio Constitution. Remember, this came up at the end of the last legislative session. Frank LaRose and some other Republican legislators wanted to make it so that it required a 60% vote of the citizens of the state of Ohio to amend the Ohio Constitution. Their thought was the Constitution is sacrosanct. If you're going to amend it, it should take more than one more than just 50% to amend it. It should be an overwhelming majority of the people, and 60% would be an overwhelming majority of the people. It did not get a reading last year in the GA in time for it to become law, and so a lot of people thought it was dead, particularly they thought it was dead, when Derek Marin was backstabbed out of being Ohio Speaker of the House. Mr. Marin was a proponent of this proposal. Jason Stevens the guy who backdoored Marin and cast his lot with all 33 Democrats in the House to become Speaker, the belief, the strong belief from those in the know at the State House, was that Jason Stevens promised the Democrats, don't worry, I'll get rid of that constitutional amendment thing. 
you won't have to worry about that. Somewhere down the road, you'll be able to get 50% plus one of the people to vote, and we'll have abortion all throughout the state of Ohio. That's what the Democrats want. That's why they do not want this 60% provision to amend the Ohio Constitution. Well, Matt Huffman, head of the Senate, is going to at least make Jason Stevens take a stand on it. Huffman said Tuesday his caucus in the Senate is mulling whether to place the 60% question on a ballot initiative, a special ballot initiative in August. Now, we used to regularly have special elections in August, and then they ended that. But, of course, they can put an issue on the ballot whenever they want to and call a special election. I question the wisdom of this. Not because I care about the money. They'll find some way to waste money at the state house. It's not the money that they'll spend on this. I question, you tell me, who's more motivated in Ohio? The people who are pro-life or the people who are pro-death, which is to say pro-abortion? Now, the only thing is the timing of it. If they had it in early August, before a lot of students, out-of-state students, are back in Ohio in school, maybe that's their rationale? Hey, we'll hold this in August. But people are on vacation in August. People are detached in the summertime. I, That would be a total get-out-the-vote effort in terms of whether or not that would pass or fail. And I, while I am decidedly on the side of those who would vote for this solely because, solely because it would make it harder to amend the Constitution to allow abortion, I don't think it would pass in August. I think you want to put this on the ballot when people have a motivation to come out and vote anyway. I mean, you look at the result of the midterm election. Did Republicans do well in the midterm election in Ohio? Got to be in Ohio, not not overall. But in Ohio, did Republicans do well? Yeah, we strengthened supermajorities in the House and Senate. So I would like somebody in the Senate to explain to me why this would be a better issue placed on the ballot in August than placed on the ballot in November. Now, of course, in November, we're going to have a ballot initiative. I just answered my own question. The reason why is because in August, we're going to have a ballot initiative to okay abortion. And I don't know, would that be then subjected subjected to the 60% standard if they got it passed in August? Which is not a sure thing. But that's the move. They're thinking of putting it on a special election on the August ballot. So that issue is not dead, even though Jason Stevens, the illegitimate Speaker of the House, tried to make it go away. Now, speaking of elections, speaking of the midterm elections, one of the elections in the state of Ohio that was supposed to go or was thought that it could go the Republicans' way was the congressional election in northwest Ohio for the spot that has been held since Columbus discovered America by Marcy Kaptur. Remember the name J.R. Majewski? And the way he was vilified, we've got some intel on why that happened. Next. So the Republicans did not fare as well in the midterm elections as we all thought they would. Barely squeaked out a majority in the House. Thankfully, we did that. Otherwise, we wouldn't have House Oversight Committee right now putting Hunter Biden's business dealings through the ringer. But one of the races that was supposed to be a winnable race for Republicans was a newly constituted district in 
Northwest Ohio, where Marcy Captor has been serving for, let me see, how many terms for Marcy Captor? Oh, 21. Do the math, that's 42 years. Marcy Captor has been a U.S. Congresswoman. She is the longest serving woman in the U.S. Congress. And right about now you're going, longer than Nancy Pelosi? Yes, longer than Nancy Pelosi. So Marcy Captor's district was redrawn. And it was redrawn from a heavily Democratic district. How heavily? In 20 terms of being elected and reelected to the U.S. House of Representatives, Marcy Captor had never won less than 59% of the vote. And only once was it 59%. Once it was 74, 74, 68, 63. I mean, this was a Democratic district, to coin a phrase, by the aforementioned Nancy Pelosi. Not just AOC, but Marcy Captor represented a district where a glass of water with a D on it could have gotten elected. But when they redrew the district and put Marcy Captor in a district that voted for Donald Trump 51% to 49% in the 2016 election, the thought was, well, you get a good candidate running against her and maybe we can get rid of her and claim another seat for Republicans in Ohio. So the candidate chosen to run against Marcy Captor was a guy named J.R. Majewski. Now, J.R. Majewski seemed to have it all. He was a U.S. Air Force veteran, and he was a Donald Trump guy, a MAGA guy. Except about a month before the election, the mainstream media started doing a deep dive into J.R. Majewski's military records. And they wrote a story that, oh, he said he served in battle, but he never served in battle. Ah, J.R. Majewski's a liar, so you can't vote for J.R. Majewski. Well, the smear campaign was successful as Marcy Captor won re-election with 56% of the vote, the lowest percentage of the vote she'd ever gained, but still more than enough to be elected to Congress for a 21st term. Now, why am I recasting all of this to you? Because... Just yesterday, Politico reported that the Air Force has notified lawmakers that it improperly released the military records of seven Republican congressional candidates to a Democratic-aligned research firm during the 2022 campaign cycle. So the Air Force yesterday admitted, oh, whoops, sorry, We gave away the military records of seven Republican. Isn't it funny? It's never a Democrat whose record is released. Never. Seven Republican candidates. We're really sorry. We're going to get to the bottom of it. Trust me. How many of those seven got elected? Two. Two got elected. Five got beat. Mission accomplished. This is something, too, that House Oversight is looking into, but they got their hands full with the Hunter Biden stuff, with the origins of COVID stuff. But J.R. Majewski was one of the two whose records were released in the most extensive fashion. So, 
Look, if the guy lied on his military records, the guy lied on his military records, and I'm not saying he should have been elected. But the thing is, as the Air Force said at the time, people in the Air Force tend to what? Fly here, fly there, do all kinds of things, and we don't have exact records on when people served. But Marcy Kaptur made a lot of hay out of saying, look at this, we've got J.R. Majewski's military records, and there's no record of him serving in Kuwait. There's no record of him being in the Iraq war. Well, he was an intelligence officer. Do you think they're a little murky in putting down exactly when and where intelligence officers are? Yeah, maybe. So again, just like Hillary Clinton, just like so many Democrats, it's always easier to ask for forgiveness than permission. And isn't it funny? When the records are released and they're not supposed to be released, the only people victimized, the only ones victimized, were the Republicans. Now, in that vein, J.D. Vance, U.S. Marine, ran for Senate, emerged from a crowded field. Now a U.S. Senator from the state of Ohio. J.D. Vance also showed up in Politico the other day. And this is the reporting. Senator J.D. Vance, Republican Ohio, bought a new home earlier this year in a close-in Alexandria, Virginia neighborhood. A person with a person familiar with the matter told Politico. The purchase for more than $1.5 million has some neighbors in the liberal enclave scratching their heads about why a conservative senator who runs against the Washington establishment would choose to live among them. One neighbor described the area to Politico as filled with pride flags and kindness posters and noted that Vance was recently welcomed to the neighborhood with a yarn bombing. What is yarn bombing? Is where they throw yarn into your trees. Like, think of it as toilet papering the trees with yarn. Only in J.D. Vance's case, the trees were bombed with rainbow yarn. So that they were sending the not-so-subtle message that, hey, you're not on board the LGBTQ ideology, you don't have a Black Lives Matter sign in your neighborhood. This is like subtle harassment by the neighbors. Funny, I just read that uh, neighbors in the liberal enclave say that they are a very inclusive neighborhood. Really? Are they? Are they inclusive? Are they including J.D. Vance, who has a disparate political view than they do? seems like they're kind of exclusive in that regard. So mature. He's not allowed to live in your neighborhood? You can't stand to have a conservative senator live in your neighborhood? I mean, I would think that would be a little bit of a prestigious thing to have a senator live in your neighborhood. But welcome to the neighborhood. Unless you don't think like us. Then you're not welcome in this neighborhood. Seems like some of those people have kindness posters in their yard and maybe they don't really mean it. Three-star general, Michael J. Flynn, head of the Pentagon Intelligence Agency, knew all the government's dirty secrets. He was one of the most respected generals in the military. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He understood its funding. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. 
The explosive new documentary, Flynn, deliver the truth, whatever the cost, and covers the facts behind this scandal. Flynn told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. I find out the worst enemy that I'm going to face in my life is right here in America. They took my assessment and they wanted me to change it. And I was like, I'm not changing it. They had to get rid of Flynn. With in-depth interviews, archival footage, and never-before-seen personal records of the man behind the headlines. I just felt like I was drowning. Flynn. Deliver the truth, whatever the cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to salemnow.com. salemnow.com.